The Rocks to Roots podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Spokane, presented by Delicious Hamburgers. This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Hello, listeners, and thanks for listening to Rocks to Roots, your source for conservation conversations. We are so happy to be back in the studio after taking a few weeks off to work the Spokane Conservation District's annual tree sale. And with that said, we want to extend a big thank you to all of our 2021 tree sale customers for making this one of our biggest sales to date. We had over 1,080 orders placed. We had over 30 different tree and shrub species offered this year and more than 85,000 seedlings distributed. To our customers, your commitment to adhere to our drive-through pickup procedure was so instrumental in our success and we are so proud to have distributed all of the orders in a way that complied with the CDC safety protocols. We also want to say a big thank you to the staff members and our incredible group of volunteers who worked extra hard to make sure that these orders got packed and distributed in just a couple days. We hope that you all are enjoying your new trees and shrubs and planning for next year's sale is already underway. So make sure and mark your calendars for next year's tree sale, which will kick off January 31st of 2022. If you'd like to subscribe to our tree sale email list or for more information about the sale, visit our website, spokanecd.org slash tree sale. All right, so switching gears, this is episode six of season two, and today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Jeff and Diane Reed to discuss their business, Slow Dirt. So welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. You guys just have totally brought the energy today. I can feel it. And so I'm really excited to talk to to you about Slow Dirt. So why don't we just start off and tell us a little bit about yourselves and your company, Slow Dirt. You want me to rock that one? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. uh, I always feel like I was accidentally born in Los Angeles. I've always been a small town guy. Um, That feeling, you know, (laughs) kind of a farm farm oriented uh just total nature geek tree hugger since day one and uh studied uh, a lot of horticulture soil science um viticulture nursery production in my college years i've always had my hands in the dirt from as early as i can remember uh, gosh it's hard to sell yourself i don't really know <laughs> uh i'm just a simple guy and, and and we're running with a simple idea i've uh I've learned a lot along the way. I've learned a lot along the way. But uh, I'm currently uh, a career arborist at uh, WSU Spokane. I'm the only one allowed to touch trees on campus, so that's kind of cool. Very cool. And, you know, I've done and been a lot of things in the life, but uh, what I love the most is to be outdoors and to to be a witness to nature, things of that nature, try and keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And we we came up with the idea for the company – when we were both living down in Northern California, we lived in a small town called La Honda. Uh, it's between Half Moon Bay and Santa Cruz in the Redwoods. And we started to toy around with this idea because I had um, always been an organic grower of anything. But it, I was always chasing chasing ingredients for very specific results. And, and we came up with the idea of figuring out what ratios would be right of those specific ingredients for those results so that we can just have it all in a bag. It wasn't even really a business idea at the time. It was like, well, why don't we just make a big blend of this so that I'm not chasing down all these different things season after season. And it, as it turns out, um, that section of the Highway 1 in California is called the Slow Coast. They encourage you to slow down. Uh, mm-hmm. 
literally and figuratively and enjoy your space, you know, enjoy the space on the coast of Northern California. So we've thought uh, slow dirt was kind of a creative name. I don't know if it is or not, but that's what we're running with. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I was very curious about the name. So yeah. And it's organic, you know, and organic things tend to work slower, which is kind of what you want. It's not the, the, the chemical approach at all. Far from it. So it's kind of hard to sell myself. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> and so for those who haven't, maybe haven't heard of Slow Dirt, so what is the product? The product is, it's a dry soil amendment. Uh, it's comprised of 19 different organic ingredients, kind of a all in one bag um, for anything you want to grow. If it's, especially if it's going to go in your body, if it's going in your body, you want, you want to have that in your soil. And uh, we can get into the specifics of what it exactly does later. But uh, that's kind of what it is. It's dry soil amendment for uh, for organic approach to growing, gardening, things of that nature. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Diane, yes. what about you? <laughs> You're a big part of this team too. So what's your background? In- yeah, so I've been a nurse for, well, since I was 19. So started off, you know, just working Um, as an LVN, which is a licensed vocational nurse. And then I continued my education because we're lifelong learners, right? So here I am in my 50s, like um, getting a master's degree finally, um, just because. And then, then of course, during my um, career, I've seen a lot of different things. I've worked in a lot of different areas, mostly with kids and moms. Um, and seeing, you know, firsthand, I worked at Children's Hospital for many years in an emergency transport team. Um, and I, that's when I met Jeff around that time, cause I was down in California going to UCLA for a nurse practitioner program and we met and I was working there and seeing the, you know, um, kind of kids being born with cancer. And that's for my heart, it was devastating. It was a really tough job for me to do. Um, just cause I've got a heart for that. I'm a nurse. So that's what we, you know, so it was really hard, but I enjoyed being part of a team that brought um, the necessary care for these kids, one of the biggest um, emergency transport teams in, in Los Angeles County. And so we would see these kids uh, be born with cancer. And then I started to wonder, like, well, how does that happen? You know, how, do you, how are you born with cancer? Like, that's yeah. devastating. And a lot of these kids, of course, because we're a not-for-profit, we would um, uh, provide care for a lot of these um, migrant farm workers around the area. So we were talking, like, Bakersfield area, and we would fly these you know, these kids that were, you know, were born with all sorts of things, not just cancer, but all sorts of um, uh, huge life changing. And some survive, some don't. And a lot of these farm workers, of course, work in these farms where these, they're spraying, you know, and we would see these planes fly over these fields and just spray, you know, it's like, well, these guys and women are working in these fields. And then the men go home to their wives and you have that all over their clothes and drop their clothes, you know, wherever they're living, their situations are um, tragic. And then moms are pregnant, and then there you have the kids. Sometimes the whole family's, you know, devastated by that. So that was really a huge, huge in my heart. And then meeting Jeff, and then our life kind of just went in that direction. And then he was such a nature guy, you know, we buy organic, you know, I I had that concept because I'd always bought that way, you know, but I didn't even know what an heirloom tomato was. I just (laughs) bought these weird looking tomatoes at the store. And then he, the education came from that part because he's a wealth of knowledge. And um, so we started growing, you know, I have our little farm, you know, in La Honda and we love living, you know, five minutes from the coast because we're both native Southern Californian people. And, um, so it just is a good marriage, so to speak, you know, yeah. of like my background in, um, in health, you know, I'm huge about what you put in your body. You are what you eat. I've seen it firsthand, mm-hmm. you know, you are where you live, you are what you wash your, you know, all of it because our, our skin is the biggest, you know, right. Or mm-hmm. so we, whatever we're putting on our body, on our skin, you know, it's so important. And to be outside in nature is so important for our mental health, as you know, mm-hmm. you know, we've got, absolutely. I mean, I could go on, <laughs> and, on <laughs> yeah. and I won't, but you know, it's just, it's full circle. Like there, we are, you know, human beings living in this world and what we, you know, it's so important to be mindful of 
what we do, right? Mm -hmm. What we put in our body, where we're, you know, what's in our dirt, what our hands are in, because what our hands are in, our body's soaking up. So we don't want to be spraying and eating pesticides. No way. So I were, yeah. So that's what, that's kind of where, you know, the short version of how it, because it's, like I said, it's huge. It's so far reaching and we want, you know, we want people to have the opportunity to have this in their garden Mm-hmm. and have an, have an alternative to, you know, because I was just telling Jeff the other day, I went into Walmart. Am I allowed to say Walmart? But <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went into Walmart with my sister looking for Sluggo, you know, because Slugs, you know, mm-hmm. they just to have it on hand. And they literally had no organic um, alternative. It was all chemicals. I'm like, and they're like, oh, you can buy this one. I said, well, that's poison. Like, I don't want that. And so right. that's really disheartening, you know, to go into a big you know, company and mm-hmm. they have no um, other choice. So we want another choice for people. It's yeah. important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's- well, and I really love that message that you just gave. Um, that is, you are where you live. Yeah. And that is such an important message. And it is, it's about caring for your environment, caring for your community, caring for yourself in that way. So I really love yeah. that point that you just made. Um, okay, so you guys are from California. So what brought you up to Spokane? And when did you get up to Spokane? Well, I brought him here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you want me to answer that? Uh, or I'm sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jeff came with me. I took him hostage and moved him to Spokane. Um, not really, but we, um, I was, I, I raised my, we moved here. My, I'm, my ex-husband and I moved here, um, gosh, in 96, my former father-in-law was a Jesuit uh, priest. He was here in his, like, when he was 20 years old up at Mount St. Michael's. And so during that marriage, you know, he would tell us about Spokane. And we're like, well, where's Spokane? I've never <laughs> even heard of that. So when we wanted to get out of L.A. and raise our kids, our boys were five and seven, uh, we decided to leave. Because, again, we knew, you know, I mean, California is wonderful for a lot of things, but not necessarily raising your children. And we just you know, we wanted a better life for them. And so we moved and uh, moved to Spokane. We lived in nine, we, we raised them in Nine Mile Falls. Okay. And they, um, so there's that. And then, you know, life does what it does. And then I um, went down back to California because I had an opportunity to go to UCLA. Okay. And I went down there for school and my family was all down there. No one lived here. No one wanted to move here. <laughs> and now they all live here. Oh, they awesome. all moved back. And because they were here and my, my boys and my daughter's, well, she's in Seattle, but my boys are here and they're grown with their own, you know, families. And I wanted to be back with my, my kids. And then we, I moved him here so we could be closer to my parents and my oh, kids awesome. and now a grandbaby and another one on the way. So he kind of got to get this instant family and move to Spokane. <laughs> I can give you the short version. <laughs> yeah. Who talks a lot? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, we Uh-oh. ended up in Spokane in Northern California because L.A. sucks. No, yeah. We got out of the concrete jungle, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I got a job opportunity in Northern California. And found a little miner's cabin in the middle of nowhere in a small town, La Honda. And we had a redwood tree right off our deck that was nine feet wide. And we could grow things there. And everybody was cool and chill. And uh, from there, we came to Spokane. It was a, it was a pretty good marriage because we needed to get out of California. You know, that's our home state, but it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's really crowded. And I'm not down with it. Mm-hmm. So we went from there out. And we actually tried Washington on the west side first, which is... Just like L.A., except there's water there yeah. to look at. <laughs> so that's how we ended up in Spokane. And as long as she's with me and I can grow some stuff, I'm good. I'm yeah. kind of vagabondy that way. I don't care. Well, that kind of goes back to, you know, what you said. You are where you live. So that's great that you guys found a, you know, sweet spot for mm-hmm. yourselves. So right. so do you currently operate a farm or you say you're growing? So do you consider it a farm or just kind of gardening? I'm curious. <laughs> Our dream is to have a farmstead one day, a nice okay. little homestead where we'll, we'll be uh, uh, embarking in as animal husbandry and things. Chicken. Well, maybe grow more vegetables <laughs> than we could possibly ever need and, and start canning. You know, that whole dream of like sort of simple living off the grid of the land. Okay. But for now, um, we garden. I It's like my test plot, though, because we grow a yeah. ton of food. We grow a ton of things, and we're, of course... Um, using our product in it and all that. But for now, uh, in our little rental out in Nine Mile Falls, 
it's 30 by 50 soaking wet, our little garden plot, but we stuff it mm-hmm. full of wildflowers <clears throat> and food. Very and I've uh, cool. been building the soil for about three years now. I think we've been there for about three years. Yep. Something like that. Yep. Oh, soil awesome. building, soil building. It's all about the soil. Grow that first and then you can grow anything else on anything yeah. else you would like in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Dan, I know that you just touched on it a little bit with, um, you know, your background being a nurse and the medical history. And then, um, obviously Jeff, you have a ton of, um, knowledge and education backing you, but when was like the first real jump into getting in, like into the soil science and really working to amend it? I'll take that one. Oh, yeah, um, of course. <laughs> we, uh, it's really, really hard to put a timeline on that. I started to get interested in composting uh, as a little boy down in Los Angeles because one of my chores was to mow the lawn. Oh, okay. And I also had pet rabbits. And my dad would insist that I put all the clippings and rabbit manure in a pile and cover it with a hefty bag. And I was just tall enough to operate that mower, so I really didn't grab the concept of why uh, we're doing that. But my mom and dad are high school sweethearts from a tiny farm town in Iowa. So this is all bleeding over into the the concrete jungle. And he tore up a large portion of the backyard. And we started growing food with that homemade compost. So then many years later, I'm into college. And uh, back up half a step. I think I was in fourth grade when I grew my first carrot in a styrofoam cup. And I'd come home every day from school and pull it out of the soil to see if it was ready yet. You know? (laughs) Nope, we're going to want to leave that in there for a minute. Um, you know, and then life gets busy and you go through your adolescence and you moved, uh, out of the folks house. But when I, when I got into college, I started to really grasp, um, horticulture and botany and soil science and how it's all a closed cycle. As long as you don't, um, as long as you don't mess it up chemically, Mm -hmm. you know, so the, the whole amending of soil has been in my DNA, probably generations before I was born getting the soil healthy. Oh, that's so, awesome. Very it's cool. hard to put a timeline on that. Yeah. I've always just been tuned into it. That's great. So um, so what would you say is the connection between soil health and nutrition? You are what you eat, and mm-hmm. that applies to plants too, 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, soil health is everything. The microbial, the microbiome of the soil is exactly how the soil nutrients are metabolized and taken up into the plant, and that's what you eat. And I'll hold one of my homegrown up to any tomato you buy in the store mm-hmm. uh, any day of the week. It's uh, It makes sense to me, but then I've been plugged into it for a long, long time. Diane actually has a – she's got a really good uh, perspective on the investment in self and self-care and wellness – because she's the nurse, mm-hmm. and I'm the soil nerd, you know. But uh, it's a great partnership. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it seems is. to work pretty yeah. well. It's 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 hard to put one a definitive answer on that question because it's so it's vast. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you definitely want to grow your soil first. That's been it. Uh, that's been it for me for a long time. And you know, you want to eat healthy, and that's the investment in yourself. Well, that's that whole, yeah, I'll just jump in there. That's okay. Yeah, so like that we were just talking about that last night, right? Like, because you hear that, right? The, you know, we are all one, you know, I'm not, Mm -hmm. these are things that everyone hears, right? Right. Um, Full circle and everything is connected to everything else, right? So if you go with that concept, right, or that belief, which I believe that, you know, we're not much different than the plant that's growing in the garden or the soil. Like if you know, as above, so below, right? There's that that whole concept too. So, yeah, I'm going to get really deep about it. But so you're connected to what you are, you know, growing in your garden. So there's a lot of people that believe the energy that that farmer, whatever that farmer's growing, be it medicine or food, the energy you put into that is what you are giving to the customer or you're giving to yourself. So it's super important to like love what you're growing and put the love into the garden, right? Mm-hmm. So I would much rather have a tomato that's grown from an abundance of love for nature and putting what's best for us in the garden than to go to a grocery store and get this Roma tomato that has no taste and no nutrients whatsoever 
you know, may have a couple things, mm-hmm. but if you don't know, you don't know, right? We don't know till we know. And so our goal is to educate the public um, so, so they know, you know, we can't expect people to know if you've not, you know, if you've not ever known your whole life. There's so much like variety out there, like the darker the vegetable, right? The anthocyanins in that. Jeff can speak about that. So I learned that word from him, (laughs) anthocyanins. So anthocyanins are the deeper the vegetable, right? The better they are for you. So anthocyanins are, excuse me, anything super red, um, right? Red, you know, red tomato. You want to go, that's his part, but right. So there's anthocyanins, they're carotenoids, right? So there's carrots. So anything as as colorful as possible, eat the rainbow. We've heard that. You know, eat the rainbow. Eat. There's so many colors to eat. Yeah. Don't just pick red out of, the, you know, when you go to Rosar. You know, there's other, like, our local um, farmers markets. Go there. Like, these people are mm. love what they do, and they're there to share so much with us. Like, go do that. Like, go support them, because that's where you want to get your vegetables. So, I mean, there's a, I mean, a, like, list of things I could talk about, but, you yeah. know. Well, and yeah, I think that connection between know your farmer, know your food is just so important. It's so important to get to know your farmer and talk to them about their processes and, you know, how they're growing and just to meet them too. They're always, you know, great, fun people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they're all like amending their soils with, you know, you want to make sure they're, they're what they're, you know, ask that, that question. Well, how do you grow your food? Mm -hmm. Do you spray? You know, I mean, I think that was one of your questions. Like, do you spray? Like, we want to know, like, are you spraying for, you know, these, you know, are you spraying for um, bugs or wasp, you know, that kind of stuff too. Like that, that's going to blow right into your garden. Um, and, um, you know, the soil, like Jeff said, the soil is huge. And what we're, yeah. you know, I guess start there first, mm-hmm. because if you're growing it in like nothing, then you're going to get nothing. You can't get something from nothing. Yeah, you get out what you put into it, I think, is a simple answer for that. Mm-hmm. If you have a, 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 a vast array of organic soil inputs, you're going to get every bit of benefit out of that vegetable, mm-hmm. out of that piece of fruit. That's the whole idea of growing, growing your own. That's the, that's the bottom line. Right. And then in soil also, like, there's this huge movement, right? We're losing soil. Like, mm-hmm. they're... Right. There's, I don't know, you can speak about that because we watched a documentary about that and we were blown away Mm -hmm. at how much, because we're tearing down trees and we're, you know, again, right. Concrete jungles. And then we're, we're going to run out of dirt. Like, so we encourage people grow, you know, grow food. Yeah. Grow, make a garden and, and amend that, you know, if you have an acre or even if you don't have an acre, like tear out your front yard and plant food. Cause that's, you know, we're building dirt, right? Mm-hmm. We need it. Yeah. We're losing it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're like society is just so focused on an end product that we lose the process. You know, we lose the start from square one. Right. Let's talk about how it, this has grown and the process. So I kind of want to go back to what we just touched on. And um, so w- we talked, you talked, or you mentioned spraying, but what are some other questions that you would say consumers should definitely be asking their farmers and be curious about when they're purchasing, you know, foods from them? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I don't know what the policy is in Washington state. Um, there are some states like the Golden State where you can't, uh, you can't even mention the word organic unless you have been certified. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's the same up here in Washington with large-scale farming, um, but I would want to know if, if the farm is certified organic. And if not, that's fine. But what are your, your soil inputs? How are you feeding your crops? How, what's, what do you use for your weed control? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you keeping the weeds down and if you spray for pest infestation, how often, what do you use, and when was the last time you sprayed before I eat this tomato? Mm-hmm. You know, um, growing up in the horticulture nursery industry down there, you always knew when you were coming up to an organic farm because it looked like a train wreck. Yes. There were weeds <laughs> everywhere, and, but that's the one I want my oranges from. Yes. That's the farm right there, not this perfect, pristine, formal like it's suspiciously weed free. Mm-hmm. Those are not mm-hmm. organic farms. So 
you know, not to pick on the farmer. There's a lot of different ways and a lot of different attitudes about how to grow cop crops on a large scale. Um, but that's what I would want to know. Like, how, what do you treat your soil with? What are your inputs? How do you control your weeds and do you spray for pests? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So, okay, so I want kind of want to jump into Slow Dirt now and the product itself. So can you kind of talk to us about the production of the product? I'm assuming there was a little bit of trial and error yeah. when you're coming mm-hmm. up with the formula. <laughs> yeah. So been talk to the, us about that. A really big learning curve, really big learning curve. When we first came up with the idea, um, we started with four dry organic ingredients in a cloth foot bathtub in the backyard and two shovels. I love it. And we just started to mix it up, mix it up. Um, and I'll get into the why in a second, but uh, we started our first blind trials down there. Like uh, Diane was pivotal in our first trials for uh, organic systemic pest defense, where we would grow all kinds of food crops and ornamental crops that I knew were susceptible to pests. And uh, I had no idea how much of this product that didn't even really have a name yet was in each pot. I was just in charge of watering and we would monitor uh, progress and I was kinda, oh man I was the guy that would on his way home from work uh, would go to local nurseries and ask him if I could go out back and check out the plants that they were going to throw in the dumpster due to pests uh-huh. and I would chop those plants down and I would take home paper bags full of spider mite mm-hmm. and aphid and white fly and I would purposely infest our trials Wow, that's so cool. Because I really wanted to know if this was even going to work. So um, it worked fabulously. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was very interesting because I'm always like, well, more is better. And it wasn't necessarily true in those first few years when we were running uh, blind tests. You know, um, there's a perfect balance. And so that original four ingredients has now evolved into 19 separate ingredients because you – you can't keep yourself focused over here because you're going to miss something on the other side of the, of the soil spectrum. Mm-hmm. So there definitely needs to be a balance. There's pH that you need to be monitoring. And you can have too much of anything when it comes to soil inputs. And it's been quite an adventure. It's been a, it's been a great adventure. But the whole idea behind the product wasn't ever to be a fertilizer. Our whole idea was to create systemic organic pest defense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you want to know about that in a minute, <laughs> it, that was the whole idea. The fact that the crops that were getting the right ratios happened to really kick butt, that was almost an accident. Because I was completely focused on a different realm of soil potentials than I was to just create yet another dry fertilizer product. That was... That, wasn't, that was the least of my concerns. I wanted to nail down this idea and really figure out how to make that work. You know, and over the years, um, blending and new recipes and reformulating and dumping that ingredient for this ingredient because, you know, that one dump, tanks the pH of the soil. Okay, so we don't want that one. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. Sometimes, poor Diane, a little frustrating. <laughs> Every time I have Doing to change. another trial. You know, <laughs> Another trial, another label revision. Yeah. Yes, another label revision. Yeah. But it's it's cool. It's cool, you know? Yeah. Cost 400 bucks to get our labels printed, and I understand. Sorry about that. And patent. We did a patent. We have patent pending on it. And yeah. so that was a big deal for us and yeah. copyrighted. So we did all the right, you know, all the things, right, mm-hmm. that we're supposed to do. Um, but I think research, right, even in nursing, research is awesome like that's how we get to know right so we'll probably always be in research because you can always do better it's fabulous now but you know we're just going to continue to learn yeah i'm always in the research i'm always i'm always watching (laughs) things i'm I'm always got my nose in a book Mm -hmm. um, because i'm fascinated by it this is how the earth has been working forever we just figured out how to put it in a bag (laughs) love that Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, Jeff, you actually kind of touched on it a little bit, but so what really is the difference between, like, fertilizer and plant food? You know, um, they're kind of the same in terms of uh, definition. Plant mm-hmm. food is just a layman's way of saying fertilizer, but you really are exposed to two different options in the world. You're either organic or you're not. Organic soil inputs, amendments like our company, 
Um, they might not have a really high nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium level, like uh, something that would be soluble and chemical. They take a lot longer to break down. They're slow. As in slow dirt. <laughs> it takes a lot longer to break down, but ultimately what you're doing organically is that you're feeding the soil microbiome. So you're not necessarily feeding the plant. You're feeding what's in the soil, which then converts those nutrients into something usable by the plant, feeding the plant. Whereas if you use like a, um, a soluble, I don't know, just go into... miracle Grow. Like that, <laughs> or, or any of the other companies where you're going in and you're taking a scoop of powder and dissolving it in, in your watering can and watering, you're going to get results, but you're going to have a much weaker plant uh, with that. They use like urea nitrogen or ammonium nitrates and very harsh chemicals will give you the results, but you're ultimately creating a much weaker plant and at the same time annihilating the soil microbiome because what happens over time is that you're developing it's like an addiction the soil becomes addicted mm -hmm. to that chemical process rather than the slow breakdown of organics and in doing so you're applying the whatever grow uh, on a monthly basis and you're annihilating those microbes because they become fixated on that monthly supply until they burn themselves out and, uh, and then they're dead. So yeah, they're dead. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, like I'm visualizing it in my head right now. An organically grown uh, tomato, for instance, is substantially sturdier, stronger, and more pest resistant than anything you've dumped uh, soluble chemical fertilizer on it. So, mm -hmm. to your question, what's the difference between fertilizer and plant food? They really are the same thing. It's just what source do you want to use as a grower or a gardener? If you want to stay organic, we have a solution for you. Or you can go the other route for the instant gratification curb appeal. Just know that in time, um, you're going to have a substantially weaker garden, weaker plants that are way more susceptible to pest infestation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you're saying that, I'm like, maybe we should just be done with the words fertilizer and plant food and it should be soil food or yeah, you right. know right. <laughs> stop focusing yeah. on the end product let's go back to square one again right. and soil food. that's your foundation yeah. Yeah. your soil health mm -hmm. is your foundation i my professor uh kind of explained that to me back in college when uh you're kind of creating chemical powdered uh you know um fertilizer in that you create such a strong dependency that it's very, very hard to ever turn those plants back around. That they look good quickly. Like, so they we're all good. about, right, yeah. a society the, that wants it now. Want, we right, want it right, right now. now. Right, we want yeah. the pretty flowers and the garden right now. Right now. And so, yeah, well, you can have that right now, but fast fashion, right? It's going to go away quickly, um, right? So you have... Well, yeah, yeah if television. you don't grow your soil first, you're really just growing bug food. And that was something yeah. that was put in my head 20 years ago, studying soil science and horticulture. If you're not growing that soil first, everything else is bug food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So I'm curious. So after some quite a few trials, it sounds like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what was that moment where you got it right and how did that feel? And just what was that moment like? And how did you know, too? I think uh, it was by the monitoring. First, yeah, yeah, I think it was, was our first initial in La Honda when it worked. I remember when he came in, he's like, oh, my God, it works. I'm like, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> there was a bit of a shock. It was like we were shocked, yeah. like, wow, it really, because he had had those ingredients in his mind, and then he actually tried it. And when we tried it, I think, right, don't you think? I think, I it, think was, it was, yeah, like, I wow. think to me it was more of a surprise. Like, it worked to such a degree that I couldn't understand why somebody else wasn't already doing this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but, but I had been exposed to studies from Japan and Poland that they were doing in the late nineties and early two thousands about chitinase and its potential to be a really, really good organic defense against root knot nematodes in corn, in corn crops and soybean crops. And then those studies just kind of went away, but it was always in the back of my head. Like I should probably try that out because there's a, there's a huge Northern California crop 
that really struggles with pest infestation, and they're so taxed and regulated now that they can't spray anything um, in order to move their final product. It's very, very rigid. So the whole idea of figuring out how to systemically yet organically protect crop was the whole idea mm-hmm. behind the product. So when it, when it worked, I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty insane. And then we tried again, you know, because it has to be duplicatable. And I'm still in the moments like, hey, we got it right. <laughs> you know, like I, the trial I just finished, you know, it was all about those top dressing uh, quantities and how frequently you should do it because we had to change our blend a little bit again. Uh-huh. and that's okay by me that's okay by me because we're getting the desired result i just want to make it really user-friendly for anybody who's growing in containers open garden plots things of that nature make it cover that whole spectrum of of potential folks that want to do things organically again mm-hmm. yeah and so who would you say is you know kind of your target audience Anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody who wants to, uh, anybody who wants to focus on growing things that they're going to consume, mm-hmm. is our target audience. You know, Diane touched on it earlier about the spraying and what she was exposed to in the medical industry. The whole idea behind Sloder is the production of an enzyme called chitinase. And I have to stop you there because yeah. I'm not a <laughs> soil scientist. You got to explain okay. that one. Yeah. So what's That's chitinase? Okay. <laughs> it's chitinase. Um, chitinase is produced when very specific soil microbes and beneficial fungi and metabolizers, these are the little critters, the little micro friends in your soil, when they consume specific ingredients, they exude. There's an exudate. It's a naturally occurring enzyme called chitinase. The chitinase is the antithesis of chitin, which is what all the skin of your soft-bodied insect pests is made of. So when this enzyme is taken up into the plant and those little bugs take a drink of that plant juice, they're taking that chitinase into their system and in time they desiccate and die. It exposes them to all kinds of microviruses and bacteria. So the insect defense is in the plant, not on the plant. Hmm. And the fact that... uh, like I touched on earlier, the fact that your garden also kicks butt at the same time is that's that was like a, oh, and look, more flowers, more fruit, uh, better flavor, things of that nature. Um, more nutrients. Well, yeah, yeah, that was that was my whole focus was how, how come people aren't utilizing chitinase as a systemic form of insect defense. And I have to say, you know, there's like no guarantee that a pest isn't going to somehow find its way into your garden ever. That all starts with integrated pest management, cleanliness, things of that nature. But I have I have had concentrates of BT and spinosad and neem oil in my garden shed for years to treat an, an outbreak of pests in a garden. Mm-hmm. And I haven't used them since 2015. Mm-hmm. I haven't sprayed. Wow. Not once ever. Wow. Not once ever. And sometimes I find aphids, but best of luck, guys. <laughs> you know. They won't I, stay I for wish long. you the best of yeah. luck. <laughs> So there's no guarantee you're never going to get a bug, but if you use it as directed, it's really quite impressive. Again, I'm just astonished that this hasn't been uh, a primary focus of somebody else in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but 19 (laughs) ingredients later and many, many trials later, I'm still running trials. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, it's like you said, ongoing research, and that's what life's all about, just continuing yeah. learning all right. the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just have your pulse on what's going on because we just want to continue to learn and educate because we do a lot of educating. You know, we educate ourselves by learning everything we can, sometimes too much information, but, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so that sure. we can then educate other people, right? That's our goal, right, to tell people about it and, so they have a choice because you hate to, like, again, right? Tell Walmart they need to carry our product. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be Walmart. Walmart. I don't know if I want to be Walmart. But, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to yeah. go in big box stores. Yeah. I want Just, little mom and pops. Oh, I love and, that. And through education and through volunteering and, and, and getting the exposure out there. Right. It's something, an option. Mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all. It's just an option for folks who want to stick to no spray organic farming. 
backyard yeah. growing, homesteading, things of that nature. Keep it really, really simple and keep it clean uh, and maybe be part of the healing. You know, there. I don't know how much time we have, but I saw an interesting, um, an interesting conversation. Diane touched on it earlier about how we're losing our soils. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for like the na- last 10 years, the International Space Station has been monitoring our planet at least 10 years, but really hyper-focused on our climate change and things that are happening. And it seems as though every April or May, the entire planet is wrapped in CO2. And by June, it's wrapped in blue again through the infrared camera work. Right. And what's interesting is that in April, May, farmers are tilling. Mm-hmm. And they're tearing up the earth and they're releasing all of that CO2 that had been sequestered by the microbes through plant growth. And it's just, it's astonishing to me that we still do that. Number one offenders being us, uh, India and China, number one offenders. So they all tail at the same time in the Northern Hemisphere. It completely saturates the planet in CO2. And when the plants are growing, they suck all that CO2 back in, sequester it into the ground, but then we go and do it again the next year. And if we continue, this is a statistic, I don't, cannot qualify if it's absolute if we continue in uh, in at least the usa of growing our crops the same way we've been growing being that a farmer plants one crop a year harvests um rotates you know things of that nature there will be 60 harvests left mm-hmm. six zero harvests left if we keep doing what we're doing so we really 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 want to be that um want to be part of a small bit of change, you know, to really, really be mindful of your soil, mm-hmm. to keep the microbial health, to chop and drop. Don't, don't tidy it up. It's not the way the earth works. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not the way the earth works. You need to leave the soil alone and feed the microbes and feed that soil and it will feed the planet. Mm-hmm. But I was astonished when I heard that like 60 harvests. Yeah. So that means our grandbaby's child might run out of food. When she has her own kids, there might not be any food left. I don't know. That may or may not be true, but I can really go off sideways into that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. Well, something yeah. tells me that you guys saw that um, Kiss the Ground film. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kiss the for Ground. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That Definitely got to put in a plug for that because uh, what a great eye-opening. film. They did 60. such a great job yeah. in that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Farmer's Footprint's a big one yes, that we yeah, also. just watch and um yeah dr zach and bush. dr zach bush oh, like our microbiome mm-hmm. our microbiome in our bodies and then you know it's just like again all interconnected right just fascinating if you, no one has seen or heard of zach bush dr zach bush um again he was a, 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 a you know ellen um obgyn doctor um turned into like now he's just a huge advocate for change and so knowledgeable in what he has seen right um so we watch yeah. a lot of that a lot of those documentaries because uh, you know just learning everything we can yeah so you know try to stay tuned in and wonder yeah. why other people aren't paying attention to this <laughs> yes yeah and we I get mean, really super excited so our family's like okay settle down you know we just have so much to talk about I know. And yeah we are I feel excited like, yeah. I, I feel like kiss the ground should be mandatory viewing in high school <laughs> i agree we have yeah. to send totally the younger generations out with this knowledge and you can do with it what you will Mm -hmm. But understand that it's going to collapse. It's a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, so our backyard doesn't have to be that way. And your backyard doesn't have to be that way. And maybe maybe the education will spread well enough that people will uh, take it more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think having conversations like this is so important, too, Mm -hmm. just to continue to, you know, like we just talked about, know your farmer. You know, we got to make some of these things more normalized, mm-hmm. um, not just, I mean, I personally, yeah, I, my parents always went to the grocery store and, you know, bought our food and it was just what it was. And so just opening your mind to other possibilities. And again, like what you said, um, you are where you live. Mm-hmm. So making those changes and supporting those local producers and yep. farmers and entrepreneurs, it's, it all will come full circle mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. We're all about community. We yeah. just, uh, it, it was sort of born into us. You just didn't have a lot of s- a sense of community down in, you know, where we grew up. <laughs> 
So you guys talk about doing um, a lot of education and things. So what are some of the things that you have done recently or you're looking to do with that, the education part of it? Uh, well, that's on the farm for oh, one. Yeah. Um, we've learned a lot from them and helping them out. We just, my dad was a um, in the army. So, oh. or sorry, air force. I got to clarify that because that's a big deal for oh, them, yeah. right? <laughs> Air Force mechanic. Um, so, and Jeff's always had a love for um, the vets and, and down in California, I was involved in like um, therapy for surfing, you know, like that whole healing piece of mental health. And then, so they're all about the, you know, farming. Um, and then they've asked, I think we're going to do, maybe Jeff will talk about seed saving for them, you know, volunteer and, and uh. educate that. So that's, you know, cause he's a wealth of knowledge cause we do all of our own seeds and that's another whole nother podcast about <laughs> seed saving and why yeah. we want to do that. Because like some of our biggest companies like Baker's Creek, they ran out of seeds like this year, which is great because people are knowing, you know, are learning that, yeah, we want to grow our own food because, uh, you know, food insecurity is a big deal. So save your seeds. And, you know, so we want to, Jeff wants to educate on that. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much to, yeah, you can. I think take vets that. on the farm is a, is a great, it's just, it's just a, an awesome deal. I can't say enough mm -hmm. about it. It was very interesting for us because we launched our company out of our basement in May of 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get to go to garden shows and we were registered for four. Um, and they've all fallen apart, and they've also fallen apart for this year, too. So the education part, to be in front of people, mm -hmm. has been a challenge since our launch. This, this podcast is fantastic. Yeah, so we're really grateful to be here. <laughs> because we want folks to know that we're out there, and we want them to know what we're all about. But it's a handshake product. It's standing in your right. booth at a garden show, yeah. and people being curious enough to engage you in a conversation and giving them a free sample. And just take it home and try it this year on one of your 12 tomatoes and see what you think. Let us know. Mm -hmm. to, so it's been really challenging. Launching in the middle of a global pandemic, not the best call. <laughs> but we were excited to <laughs> launch anyway. Ball. And so maybe that has opened other doors for us, like this opportunity this morning, you know. Yeah. And it actually is the best time because look what happened with the pandemic, right? right? Like we thought, oh, man, we're not, you know, we don't get to, right, go to all these shows we had planned but COVID changed everything, right? It made us more connected, mm -hmm. right? We got to stay home, maybe with our family. So again, right, where you are, like all these people that were going to work and they got to actually be home and start a garden, which is, right? So I'm just, COVID was obviously, I'm a nurse. So I worked, I had to work through that and lost my mom to COVID. And yeah, and so that was, you know, and then I had to decide three days of bereavement and then back to work. And, you know, because that's what we do. And nurses just do that, but the, if there was any good that came out of that, because again, you know, there is good that comes out of hardship. Um, I think people are more aware, right? Mm -hmm. Growing your own food. They started, you know, doing that because they're home and they get to do that. So we're, we want to be part of that yeah. movement. I yeah. will absolutely nervously prepare for any chance at a microphone. <laughs> I will try to yeah. get my elevator pitch yeah. polished up. Yeah. But I think any opportunity that comes our way for us to get in front of people and just tell them who we are and what we're all about, have them check out the website, and then just marinate on that. And maybe it's an option for them and maybe it isn't, but I'm all about the education because otherwise, chitinolytic enzymes. Who really knows that that's yeah. not a dinner table <laughs> conversation? Yeah. You know what I mean? The people don't know, hey, right. did you hear about that? You know? Uh, so I'll polish my elevator pitch, I think, and just be ready for the opportunity to get in front of folks. Yeah. But 2020 and, uh, and the pandemic was real challenging for us, although we were excited. Uh, 2021, we have just new opportunities opening. So we're going to take advantage of it and try and let more people know through social media, podcasting, uh, things of that nature. Hi. Hi. I was thinking maybe talk about, like, because we want to get into schools, right? Yeah. School gardens, because it starts with the kids, like mm -hmm. educating, right, the kids about, you know, like Jeff's carrot story, right? Yeah. You know, my mom always That's is great. outside and, you know, not necessarily growing food, but always outside, you know, I just remember weeding. We're all going to weed. It's Saturday, you know, and she just would want to do that. And then, like, little gardens, she would grow little things. But Jeff grew up with, you know, parents that are farmers, and um, and it starts with the kids are young, like my grandbabies too, right? And they have this, my son built this amazing garden because, you know, we encourage them and they grow like, right, everything. Mm -hmm. And 
sweet little Riley gets to go pick her carrot. You know, like that's so fun for them to like put a seed in the ground and get a carrot or whatever, you know, you choose to grow. So we want to start with the kids and we'd love to be part of um, like school gardens, right? Because yeah, they have a lot great. of places around Spokane have school gardens, and we will don't you know donate. So if you right. if anyone's listening and they're teachers, mm-hmm. we'd love you to donate um, our product. Just hit us up, and we'll bring it to you. And just you know, we've intentionally set aside a half a yard of product just to donate this year. Oh we've, wow! I think we brought about ninety pounds up to vets so they could use it in one of their open plots and uh, in one of their greenhouses, and they love it so far, which is great news for everybody. Yeah. But uh, we still have substantially more set aside just for uh, mm-hmm. donating and volunteering our time and, and product. And school gardens would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And as of recent news, you know, we f- fingers crossed, but I think we're really going to be able to do that Farm and Food Expo this year. So I hope know, so. we'd love to have you guys there. Yeah. For sure. I hope so. So, kind of just going back to Slow Dirt, mm-hmm. um, I'm just kind of curious about the application process for anybody listening. Um, sure. Like how to use it. Yeah. Directions you, for use. use? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're growing in a container, uh, we, what we have, let me back that whole thought up. Slow my roll here. No problem. <laughs> There's an initial application that we recommend. So for instance, if you want to grow a tomato on your balcony in a really big pot mm-hmm. and you go to the store and you get that pot and you get some potting soil and a little tomato start. Awesome. You mix in, depending on the size of the container you purchased, an initial planting ratio. What that does is it gets that chitinase building, and it gets that colony of beneficial microbes and fungi starts to grow, and you plant your tomato. And then depending on what you're growing and what you're growing it in, we we recommend top dressing because it keeps that fertility and it keeps that microbial activity really vital like throughout the entire season. If you were growing in an open plot, um, then there's just directions for how much to put down on a square foot on your initial and then go through and top dress. So what's top dress, baby? Explain that. It's an an initial planting. (laughs) (laughs) It's initial planting. (laughs) It's an initial planting with top dressing recommended throughout the season for whatever you're growing. Thank you, Diane. No, top dressing. So top dressing, because people don't know what that means. No, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Right, that's what right. I meant. Top Tell dressing me. means you put a little extra around each plant and scratch it into the soil throughout the season. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. you're just keeping it really active around each particular plant, be it tomatoes or whatever. Okay. Right. Yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what top dressing was either. So yeah, top. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, well, what does that mean? Because people yeah. don't know, right? We don't know top dressing. It's what funny. is it? Yeah, but I, he assumes like, we know. Just like, oh yeah, I know what that is. But I'm assuming everybody else does too. <laughs> no. You don't know what chitin is. What do you mean? <laughs> no. Nope. See, this is why it's such a great partnership because uh-huh. you can stop and slow it down and break it down. I love it. <laughs> but that's that whole education piece, right? Because people yes. learn it different. You know, we learn differently. We hear differently. So. So top dress. I can simplify no. it. The yeah. directions are on the website. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> call, send us an email it. if you have any questions. And send yeah. me an email if you have any questions. <laughs> there you go. That's so awesome. So, um, so okay, so I'm curious. So where can people find Slow Dirt? How can they contact you? How, think, how can they purchase it? So we're on, uh, we have a website. Okay. So that's just slowdirt.com. Super easy. Um, you can go on there and order it that way. We've been telling all of our community Spokane people, you know, we'll, we'll deliver it to you um, because we don't want people to pay, you know, we're in the end game. We don't want, we don't want to, we don't want to rake people, you know, for like shipping, is shipping, stupid. you know, and if you're in <laughs> Spokane, like, so oh, you're five miles. Yeah. You're, you're down the street. Well, you yeah. know, we're not going to yeah. charge you shipping. Come on. Yeah. Right. So we'll bring it to you and we've been doing that and it's great. And just, we love to get out and drive around. So we'll just deliver it to you. Um, and if you're, you know, not in Spokane, well, obviously we're not driving, you know, to Oregon, but cause we've got day jobs, but, um, yeah. So that, that our website, we're on Instagram, slowdirt.com. We're on Facebook. So you can order through Facebook too. There's a little shopping, I don't know, like button. Um, and then just email, you know, just email us, go through the website and yeah. yeah. And then it's we, all web sales for now, but for I want to get yeah. into some mom and pops. Yeah. So I'm going to go knock on doors now that I've finished my final, <laughs> maybe, well, trial. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go knock on the doors of, uh, of some of our local uh, garden supply centers around here in Spokane. That's 
I'm not right. focused on big box stores. I want to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I'll just give them my pitch and a free sample. Maybe they pick us up, maybe they don't. But if you want to use, uh, give it a shot, you can always find it on our website. And like Diane was saying, if you're in the Spokane area, we'll drive it to you. Don't pay shipping neighbors. We even had to give people their money back. Like, no, no, no. Don't yeah. just, oh, yeah, we'll, awesome. yeah, don't pay for shipping. <laughs> no, that's silly. Yeah. I'll see you Saturday. Yeah. I'll bring it to your porch. Yeah, and it gives us a chance to meet people in person because yeah. it is about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. We want, um, you know, our when we were building our company, I guess when we were building the website, the guy um, Patrick from the West Side mm-hmm. who did, he was fabulous, he built our website for us and he says, well, what, you know, if you had three words like that to, to describe you as, you know, what would they be? And I, and a lot of it was, one of them was integrity. You know, we want people to know that we are, um, integrous people, you know, we don't, we're not here to, we're in the end game, you know, not here to make a ton of money quick. Right. So like fast, um, and get out. We're here to develop those relationships so that you trust our product and we're going to stand behind our product. So when Jeff says he's doing research and testing, it doesn't mean that we don't, we don't, we, we're not behind the, you know, we're definitely behind the product where it is today because it definitely works, but we're always looking to, you know, improve whatever. So it's, mm-hmm. today it's, it works. Like, I don't want people to think, oh, we're, well, is it not ready? It's definitely ready. We're just constantly learning, right? Well, and, I am. Well, he is. I'm, I'm a done. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so integrity, you know, trust is a big deal. So we want to meet you. We want you to yeah. meet us, you know, because we're, it's about the relationship. That's right. how we build, you know. I think uh, what Diane is alluding to is uh, Patrick, he's the guy who helped us develop our logo out of a photograph of my dad's old tractor that was turned into a watercolor. That's our logo. And he asked me, he said, tell me what you want your customers to feel. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me a minute, but I thought about all of my gardening experience and everything I've learned along the way and all the plants I've killed along the way. And I just want folks to be grateful that we're here and that they have the option. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I love that, yeah, your customers, you're not, they're not restricted to how much space you have. I mean, right. any amount of space that you have, you, you, can, you can use this product. Yep. It is there for you. It's food for your soil. Mm-hmm. It's food for your soul. Yeah, and yeah. food for your soul. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've... Um, seen on your website a couple times is that you always say um, the earth was right all along. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. we just figured out how to put it in a bag. Exactly, I you love know? that. And it's like our we're, we're U.S. patent pending, but we didn't invent the ingredients. We just created the formula. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. over many years of trial and error, many years of like, well, that was an expensive mistake, and that's cool by me because I'd rather be right. Yeah, you know, I'd rather be right. So, and I want, if we have time, I yeah. want Jeff to talk a little bit about our logo because he did mention it because um, we had another idea and we went with the Farmall tractor that was his, is his dad's tractor in there. Um, so, because the, I think it's really cool, right, about how we came to Absolutely. have this tractor and where his dad found the tractor and the story behind that I think is a really fun um, little fact right just take it away <laughs> well if you have time we'll, we'll just do no, like definitely because it's, it's important and why you know people are like why is it a tractor you know because that's yeah i wanted to tell them about i that. was curious yeah yeah dad, too. Uh, mom and dad have a little bit of property down in southwest oregon that's where they've finally been able to retire and in the neighboring property in a large blackberry bramble my dad saw the front end of an old tractor poking out of the brush one day and so we hopped the fence and went back there and pulled it around uh, and found a 1943 farm all sitting there and uh, tried to get in touch with the property owner to find out about this tractor. And it took him a long time to finally get a hold of somebody who knew somebody who knew the son of the guy who owned that tractor. Wow. And he bought this tractor and he, well, and once he got the bramble cleared away, it was actually in pretty good shape uh, for being as old as it was. And he poured some gas in the tank and it started. And he gave it new life and he refinished it stem to stern factory. Every bolt, every wow. hose including the color. And uh, he put a lot of love into that tractor, and he's done uh, several other tractors since then. So it's kind of like the little homestead down there for them, and we'll end up down there one day too. So we wanted to keep it in the family, and we want, And he gave this tractor new life, much like Sloter, it gives your soil new life. 
So it all kind of comes together. I love that. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't, and I, I don't have a Ouija board or anything. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, he's not, I'm not he's lining not up quartz crystals and amethysts at night. <laughs> he looks at me to, like, oh, okay, to get the message. <laughs> but I do think it's kind of interesting how it all yeah. seems to coalesce. Well, of course, it does, with yeah. or without you. So we say his dad saved. I say I can almost see it, like in a little children's book, like the tractor was like, "Hi, come save me out of this bramble bush," and he saved and resurrected right mm-hmm. this tractor, just like. I feel like Sloter is resurrecting your soil. And so it all, again, right, this full circle, like, it, of course it means something, right? Yeah. And I could even just see, like, his mom wants to write a little children's book. His mom's a writer. And she's like, I should write a story about the farm. I'm like, yeah, you should. This is a little kid's book about gardening and farm. And how, how the little tractor, you know, was brought back to life. And they use it every day on the you know, on their little farm. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm going to think of that story every single time I see your logo now. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's why we have the tractor. Resurrection. Yeah. And it's slow. (laughs) The tractor goes again, right? Uh It's It's not a fast tractor. (laughs) It is not. It's not a fact (laughs) fast acting soil amendment. Right. So So it's slow it down. Slow down and yeah, take it all in. We got to slow down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. Well, you guys are so fun. Oh, um, thanks. Thank and you. I'm so glad that you're here. This is what the heart and soul of this podcast is really about, you know, promoting people like you guys who are really just out there as a resource for our community, for our farmers, um, just to be there to help build our soil, build our earth, and um, make our community better. So thank you so much oh, for being here. Thank so, you for having us. Yeah, yeah, but I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Oh, no. <laughs> So we always love to do our Spitfire round. Mm. And so if you guys are up for it, I'm going to ask Oops, you just sure. some random questions try just to get out. to know you a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first off, what is a food that you can't live without? I would say tomatoes. I'm, I'm a big tomato person. Yeah. Yum. Tomatoes and kale because I juice. Oh, so yeah. we have to have a lot of kale in our garden because I, yeah, I'm a big juicer. Carne asada burritos. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There's tomatoes in that. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, tomatoes are food, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I would say kale is a big one for me. Because um, I, I consume a lot of kale. Well, if you're actually talking about vegetables. Are you talking about vegetables? Uh, yeah. It can be whatever you guys want. Well, well I like to then. wash down my <laughs> carne asada burritos with a fresh glass of juice. From the garden. So we do grow a lot of root vegetables and a lot of kale and spinach and things of that nature, uh, Swiss chard, because we juice all summer. We just annihilate leaves and root vegetables in the juicer mm-hmm. and all the waste goes into the compost pile. So that's what I used to wash down my burritos. With. <laughs> but as far it. as like what I can't live without, I would say pasta. I'm, I'm Italian. So, oh, yeah. I, yeah. you know, and some people are like gluten, you know. They don't want to eat. I, I got to have the pasta. So the real stuff. I'll juice and eat pasta. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I would say Azores, Portugal. And yeah, I love that area. But That's actually on Chile. my list. <laughs> Portugal. This is Portugal, a tough question. Yeah. I've been to Portugal, but I want to go back. I think the Azores would be awesome, but I want to go to the Antarctica. Yeah. I want to go where there are no people. <laughs> I really do. Like, I want to go to the Galapagos Islands. I want to go to the, uh, you know, down to Antarctica and sit in silence. Like, really understand what quiet actually really is. There's no industry. It's just the wind in your ears. So cool. Like the only footprints are the ones you just made on the way up to that gravel pile. I'm, but I'm a super geek like that. Like I, ever since I've been a little kid, I've always wondered what the earth was like if we weren't here. Like I'm just this witness to stuff around me. So mm-hmm. have fun in the Azores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come. <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, let's see. Are you guys early risers or night owls? Or maybe you... I'm older. a very early riser. I'm up at three every day. Wow. Yeah. I'm up at three. So even on my day off, if I sleep till 530, I am well rested. Yeah, That's said, like so much extra sleep for me. He wow. has to be at work pretty yeah. early. Being a nurse, I'm at work by 630. 
I never, I would say since meeting him, I'm an early riser. I was a night owl before. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I changed, you know, and it's nice to go to bed a little bit early because, you know, I don't want to be, but I would stay up late and then be exhausted, you know, going to work. So now I go to bed when he goes to bed and then I'm, I'm not up at three, but I'm up a little after three. Doesn't make for a very active social <laughs> but on, life. But on the weekends too, like we're, you know, we're up later because we do stuff on the weekends, but we, we generally are up on the weekends too. And we just start our day pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up with the birds. Love it. <laughs> um, dogs or cats? Both. I never was a cat person. But I, <laughs> I, forced, I forced cats on her. Yeah, and uh, and we actually have, and they're wonderful. They are. They're we have great little kitties. But yeah. I was a dog person before, and because we don't have a gated kind of yard, we don't have a dog. Which yeah, we will get a dog. But yeah, we have I'm definitely kitties. a dog guy too. I've had dogs in the past, but it would be so unfair to the animal for us to be up so early and then leave them in the house all day. Mm. Yeah, we don't you know? do it. So yeah. it's not quite the right spot to have dogs, but we will. Have goats, chickens, and probably a couple cows just to have cows roaming around. I love that. That's just animal, all creatures, great and small. Yeah. All right. And one question we always have to ask our guests, Beatles or Rolling Stones? I'm a Beatles Beatles. Nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like the Rolling Stones, but I'm a Beatles But I really only like the Beatles after they started to explore the inner landscape of their own mind. (laughs) Like yep. when the music really started getting trippy <laughs> yeah, and like well sure. thought out lyrics and they brought in orchestras. That's my Beatles. The black and white Beatles, nah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. When they, right. yeah, when when they, they started were, to grow out their hair, that's when they, when they got when they, really When they woke in. up, let's say. When they yes, woke up. I love when that. When they woke yeah. up. Yeah. When they woke up, their music got really interesting to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you guys have been amazing. So great to meet you. So excited about what you're doing. Um, So everybody, Slow Dirt, make sure that you go and follow them on Facebook, on Instagram, and tell us your website one more time. Slowdirt.com. Slowdirt.com. Yeah. Just want to be a link in the chain for change. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Pleasure meeting. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.